Hello and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where we get together every week and we discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. That's right. It's the industry we all work in, the industry we love. It's the Business of Agriculture. I got a great show for you today, but I say that all the time. Not kidding. Friend of show, Rob Saik, is joining me. You might remember him. Sharp guy. Uh, had a, uh, an episode a long time ago uh, on here talking about GMOs because he's a foremost expert on that. Then we had a, a podcast with him about maybe six months ago where we talked a little bit about, uh, about Agriculture 5.0, which is his book that is in the works. Well, Rob's going to join me today and we're going to talk about autonomous equipment and technologies advance in the business of agriculture. So yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about what, what's going right, what's happening, where things are technologically. So uh, this, this is going to be what? It was 2019. Uh, it was, I believe, uh, 2017. It might have been 2016. I guess it was when I first saw the autonomous tractor. To give you a little backdrop, dear listener, it was September of 2016 at, the, uh, at a farm show in Ohio. So there I was at this farm show in Ohio, and uh, I had heard about it. I'd seen the splash already on uh, social media, and there it was. The Headless Horseman, this Case IH uh, autonomous tractor with the huge tires and a big old chrome pipe coming out of it. And, you know, the Headless Horseman, if you will. And that was the talk. At that very time, I wrote an article uh, that said, The autonomous tractor's time has come, but its timing is terrible. So... We got a lot of technology happening in this industry, as we always do, and why not bring in a guy that knows about technology and he knows a thing or two about this business of autonomous farm machinery. Rob Saik, as I said, is a friend of the show. He's an Albertan. That means he's from the province in Canada known as Alberta. He was the founder of Agritrend, which then uh, was sold to Trimble. That transaction is all complete now. He's got a book in the works. And he's got a lot of other things happening in the industry of agriculture. He even owns a farmland in Africa. So, Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Damien. Great to be back. All right. So, let's talk about technology. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you first. You're out of AgriTrend. It's all done, right? Yeah, I built AgriTrend and AgriData into um, um, a consulting and data management organization. Uh, we built that over the course of 20 years and uh, Trimble acquired that, and I've just completed the obligations to Trimble. So that transaction is done. Uh, Trimble has done an outstanding job taking AgriData, our database, and now making it Trimble Ag Software, and that's uh, gone around the world now. It's available in plus 14 languages around the world. So that's kind of a a cool legacy, but uh, yeah, the time has come for me to look at a new chapter. And you're in that new chapter. Obviously, you're still on the one thing that I, I, you get a lot of accolades on social media. And by the way, dear listener, if you don't keep up with Mr. Saik, you should. Uh, Dennis Haugen, a big farmer and a industry ag industry uh, business owner up in North Dakota, uh, keeps up with them. I keep up with them. Lots of other folks that I, I just could go through a name that I, we all keep up with and whatnot. Rob is on Twitter. He's on Facebook. Because he's traveling around the world doing business in agriculture, sees a lot of stuff. So you, um, you, you, you're out of the agri-trend. You're not, you're not with, with that anymore. You've got some other stuff in the works. You told me you're going to start another business in ag. Uh, what's that like? Well, there's a, a few things that are in the works. Uh, one of them is that I'm working on a new concept called Agvisor, uh, Agvisor Pro which basically shrinks time and space and provides farmers answers now. But the real big news, I think, is the announcement that uh, 
I'll be working with uh, an autonomous robotic platform company called DOT or DOT and uh, DOT is based out of Canada and um, I'll be heading up the DOT ready retail uh, development. So we're going to be looking at a brand new autonomous platform uh, for farming, for broad acre agricultural farming actually. And if the listeners wanted to see it, they could go to a website called c.run, like S-E-E-D-O-T run, c.run.com, and they would be able to get a handle on what it looks like. But if I could provide a little illustration for your imagination, picture a U-shape, just picture a U-shape with four tires under it, and that U clips into a variety of farm implements. They started off with a Seedmaster um, air seeder, 30 feet, and then a Patterson Connect sprayer that's 120 feet. Um, they also have a grain cart, and there'll be a lot of dot implement accessories coming forward. So this is 100% autonomous platform farming for broadacre agriculture, Damien. Okay, so uh, we were going to wait and spring that our listeners that you started this new gig or you're going to, you know, be the CEO of Dot. I thought we were going to, you know, wait and pounce that on him, but you went right to it. Okay, so there you go. The cat's out of the bag. He's the new CEO of Dot, a Canadian. Uh, uh, Dot Retail, yep. Yeah. A, a Canadian manufacturer and soon to be selling uh, this piece of equipment. It's an autonomous. It's 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 an autonomous implement, but it's not a tractor. So. Let's go back here when I said the autonomous tractor was its time has come. When you look at Google, self-driving cars, mm-hmm. and, and of course the different little accidents. Waymo, Waymo here. Yeah, Waymo. And then yeah. we had a little problem. We had what one one accident that caused a death. Yeah. But, but still, there's a lot of push that this is what's gonna happen. So my thing is we got GPS technology, we got auto steer. This is all what's where things are going, you know, and Tesla's gonna do something. But I made the point that in the fourth or fifth now year of an agricultural uh, downturn of commodity prices, is it the right time to be putting out fancy new equipment? Couldn't we just get by with the, the machinery we bought five, six years ago when we were trying to get money off our books to avoid paying taxes? Uh, I think so. Well, I, I think that there is, yes, we have to be conserving our balance statements on the farm. We have not turned profit for, for quite a while. Um, but I think one of the real constraints right now from a cost standpoint, but also from an availability standpoint, is uh, labor. And, um, you know, there's, there's a reason, Damien, that the equipment's gotten so big. If you, if you get a good operator on the farm and he knows how to run a sprayer, you're not going to put him on a 60-foot sprayer. You're going to go on a 120 or 160-foot sprayer. And you're going to work that guy uh, because he knows what he's doing. That's why equipment has gotten so big. Well robotics and autonomous farming has the potential to address this labor shortage. I think it has the potential to decrease, significantly decrease the cost of equipment per acre. And I think a real big upside to this whole thing is I think there's an opportunity to attract young people into agriculture because when they start to understand the ability to uh, advance technology, use robotics, uh, automation in farming, I think it creates excitement. And, and we've seen young people be highly motivated to uh, come back and, and, and experiment with DOT. Uh, here's the thing. 
the article that I wrote, and I do, I do actually want to encourage you, dear listener, if you happen to have some slow time here this winter, go dig up this article that I wrote, uh, The Autonomous Tractor. Uh, it's, it's in my blog, and if you want to send me an email, I can always send it to you so you can read it. Because I made a point that while I think the, the timing is terrible in that we're in year five uh, or so of our, our agricultural downturn, we probably, I had Casey Seymour, he has a Moving Iron podcast, he's an equipment machinery uh, guy in the industry of western Kansas, and, and his assessment was, well, how much longer can you hang on? You can't wait until the next ag super cycle, you've got to have equipment to do your job, and so if you're, if you're sitting on something that's 7, 8, 9, 10 years old and you need to change it out, you're going to change it out. So it's maybe not the best economic time, but it becomes time just because it's your business. So your thought is you're going to be able to sell this dot or we're going to be able to sell autonomous tractors, whether we've got an up ag economy or a flat ag economy. Well, first one, I would correct you that the dot is not a tractor. Well, there you go. Thank and you. That, that's, a really, that's a really big distinction. I mean, when you look at what you call the headless horseman or you look at what people have in their brains uh, around autonomous uh, uh, broad acre farming, uh, it traditionally has been that you think about a cabless tractor hooked up to the equipment that you're buying right now. Um, it's, it's not until you start getting into the greenhouse industry or viticulture um, or some of the specialty crop industries that you see robots that are entirely different. Uh, for example, tomato pickers and stuff like that, that, that move up and down the rows and and are entirely different from, from tractors or the kind of equipment they had in that industry. Well, DOT, again, is an example of challenging the status quo. In other words, with DOT, there is no tractor. It's a, it's a platform, and it, it can be utilized in multiple pieces of, of uh, farm equipment. Well, let's get to that real quick. Now, well, here, here. It's like a bobcat. Once you have a bobcat, you can't stop buying accessories, right? <laughs> you know, I have a bobcat, and now I want a grader with it. Well, now, uh, and by the way, we don't have any sponsorship for this show, but uh, a bobcat is a term that many people use, like Kleenex. It, it's so skid steer. Could be a skid steer skid, loader. Yeah. Now, yeah. if the people over there at the Melro Bobcat want to give me some money to sponsor this show, I'd gladly take Take it. it. It's by the way. It's time for our first sponsor break. Speaking of sponsors, we have a skid steer. Uh, better yet, we have a sponsor. The sponsor is me, Damian Mason, reminding you that if you have an agricultural meeting coming up in 2019 and you want to make it a showstopper, one that everyone will talk about afterwards, and it put a speaker on stage that people will quote and say, "Did you remember when he said this?" That's me. I've been doing this for 25 years. I speak at agricultural business meetings all over North America. That's right, even Alberta, where Rob is from. Uh, give me a call, DamianMason.com. Keep up with me all over the place. Twitter, at Damian P. Mason. Facebook, Damian Mason Professional Speaker. LinkedIn, Damian Mason. Anyway. Well, and as a, as a testimonial, I, I have to say that, you know, he's pretty good at what he does. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've hired Damian twice to work at the Farm Forum event, which is an event we run for... Uh, farmers in in uh, in Canada in December. So you, you've spoken at it twice. You, you used to run it, and now you're no longer with. Them. Right. That's how I've been handed over to Glacier Farm Media. Actually, so, has picked it up. So yep. tell us, talk about the, mm. about autonomous equipment. Okay. Everyone saw the the headless horseman, and it's been a couple of years now. And where is it? I know we've got auto steer. We got a lot of that. 
Why I will say, and I, I absolutely believe that we are going to continue to advance technologically because we always do more than any uh, of the non-ag folks understand. We, man, we apply technology. Look at our, look at our reproductive rates and our, our auto automation and livestock handling. We're taking, uh, we're taking you know, these animals to market so much faster through all of the technological advancements and feed advancements. We will see this, but... Are we going to see it with a tractor or are we going to see it with something like the dot? As you point out, it's not a tractor. I saw it, and by the way, listeners, stay with us through this podcast, but jot down or remember to look it up and check out the video. It's pretty damn cool. The dot, as he said, is a, a machine that looks like a U with four wheels on it. It's got hydraulics and an engine, and then you put a seed box and a drill inside of it, and it goes out and drills your field for you. Well, they can also do that with a sprayer, and they can also do it with a grain cart or a grain box, if you will, to, to run alongside the combine. Right. So, well, yeah, when you, when you think about this technology, uh, Damien, I mean, we have the ability to guide tractors now to sub-inch accuracy using R2K or RTX technology, consistently being able to replicate the AB lines or the guidance lines. Um, wait a and, minute, wait a well, minute, RTK or RTX? It's, R just, it's just accuracy in terms of uh, helping to guide the equipment. And if you can, if you can run a, a, a car down the, the streets of a city, surely we can guide a tractor down a, uh, a field. And, you know, robotics is perfect for, for uh, work that is dangerous, dirty, or dull. In my article, I wrote this. Why autonomous farm machinery will happen? Well, obviously, we've got the technology to do so. And the other reason that autonomous farm machinery will happen is automation happens when it replaces hard labor or just human labor. When you look at the combine, the combine, in case you didn't know this, dear listener, combined three tasks, cutting, threshing, and separation of grain. Those were all three back-breaking tasks done by hand in the old days, as some people like to call the good old days. If you want to go out and work 12 hours in bib overalls that are so stiff and, so, and, and, and hot, uh, cutting, then threshing, then separating, fine. Otherwise, you can sit in the combine. Automation happens when it increases efficiency. Think of gas pumps. I remember in the 1970s or early 80s, when we still had like gas wars and gas lines, then there was this idea that we we're going to replace the guy that came out and pumped your gas and cleaned your window with just a, a credit card? What? It did it. And it made it more efficient. And automation happens when it eliminates monotonous tasks. Toll booths. You know, is it really that enjoyable for you to drive through the toll booth and, and hand that person money rather than just throwing 50 cents in or swiping a card? Well, you, you talk about, uh, you know, talk about dull work. I, you, I, you know, you, it's really funny on Twitter when you watch the hashtag plant, plant 18, plant 19. The first week, the guys get in their tractors and uh, they're excited, right? Oh, Everybody is yeah. all torked oh, up. Oh, no, it's like little oh, kids oh, at man, Christmas. And you go to hashtag plant 19 and we're giving her and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. But by the second week, guys are going insane because they're sitting inside these glass cages, these cabs of these tractors. The, the tractor is steering itself. They're monitoring, of course, they're monitoring uh, the, uh, the, the, the planter monitors and making sure that everything is working properly. But by, by the third week, they're going insane in there. And I'm going, isn't there a better way? 
Yeah, and the thing is, let's never pretend. It's kind of the old thing about first world problems. It beats the dog turds out of going out with a hoe or walking behind a, uh, a water buffalo. Or an open or open cab driver. Yeah, so I mean, going through the, as you point out, Agriculture 5.0, human labor, then labor through draft animals. Uh, yeah, so sitting in that... Plant plant 19, when everybody's going to be giddy here in a few months, yeah, you're right. By the third week, it's like, son of a bitch, I'm still sitting <laughs> in this tractor. Well, you know what? Let's not bitch too much. It's still a lot, lot better than, again, walking behind a water buffalo and a rice paddy barefooted. But you're right. We have the technology, or at least we'll very soon have it, and you have it there with Dot. Here's another thing that I pointed out. The money part of it. Mm-hmm. When automation saves you money as a business. You know, there's a reason. It's not just convenience that ATM machines are everywhere. Now, I know that you're probably saying, I don't even use an ATM anymore because why need cash? Well, I'm a little old school, and I remember in the 1990s when it got to where everybody had to stop by the ATM machine to pick up $20 to go to lunch. Mm -hmm. And then finally I'd say, why don't you just keep $100 in your pocket so we have to go to this goddamn ATM (laughs) stop every time we go to lunch. But anyway, why is it? that people will take on the autonomous farm machinery, it has to ultimately make them money. Because every farmer, every farm business person I know, even though by the third week of plant 19, they might be thinking, this is getting a little tedious, my butt hurts a little bit, my back's a little stiff, they're probably still going to do that versus sacrifice a lot of money. Does autonomous machinery make us money? Well, I think that's going to be the, the proof in the pudding that, uh, that we believe it, it will make farmers money. I think it'll make money from a standpoint that you take most of these, uh, most of these farm operators, these men and women that are in these uh, tractors and in, in these sprayers and, and the harvesters, they're very, very bright people. They're usually monitoring anywhere between three and four or five or six computer monitors in the cab. Uh, well, you take one person who's talented like that, and that person could run three or four or five dot units at the same time. The dot sprayer, the Patterson Connect dot sprayer, is 1,600 gallons, Damien. 1,600 gallons. You, you fill that thing up at nighttime, at 11 o'clock at night, and send it out there. and let it, The best time to spray is at night. Why don't we spray at night? Because it's dark. It's not a good job. So you send out an autonomous sprayer when... This is the best time to be applying crop protection or fungicide or even foliar fertilizers. Well, what if I need to be able to see where my tires are so I don't drive over the row? Uh, is this machine going to be able to do that? Absolutely. This is all down to like sub-inch accuracy. So we already know that we can seed, uh, we can seed this year's crop in between last year's rows. So we're talking very, very accurate. Um, so you're saying uh, if we had a seven and a quarter inch or seven, mm-hmm. seven and a half inch uh, drill spacing, you're saying that now we want to make sure we go offset that. Yeah, so you'd be right able to go in between. The one that we're running right now is a 15 inch on center uh, drill with a single rank, open, a single rank. But but that it's easy to get right between. And then that that I think speaks to the accuracy of, of autonom, uh, autonomous and robotics and, and why wouldn't we move in that direction. So I think, you know, back to the key points that I think are important are, number one, constraints on labor on the farm. Yep. If we have good operators, they need to be operating more pieces of equipment. Number two is dropping the cost. And the DOT platform is 175 roughly horsepower Cummins diesel engine running four independent hydrostatic wheels. 
and can go in a variety of different directions and can clip into a variety of different implements. Yeah, the one thing I liked ha, about it was yeah. that it's, it looked almost like, imagine a, a, a grown-up version of an erector set, yeah. uh, you know, uh, where you, and it, it could move laterally as well as uh, horizontally. Uh, horizontally. So yeah. that was a neat thing, but you and I, right before we were going on, I said, I'm going to pull up this article about the autonomous tractor. This a machine appears like it might have more practicality. Again, like the skid steer. While you're not going to take a skid steer loader out uh, and drag a, a plow or a disc or a cultivator or a soil finisher or a planter, the one thing that you skid steer will do, my brother, before he died, uh, the dairyman that he was, always made to crack, he said, I swear to God we wouldn't have dairy surpluses had we not come up with such great skid loaders. Because every single thing around a dairy farm before you had that was harder to do. Uh, a skid loader, you, like you said, you put the loader on the front of it, the bucket for most of your tasks. But you also can throw a grader blade, a stump grinder, uh, a postal, postal digger, digger. Yeah, great, uh, yeah. On the front of that. Snowblower. This machine that you've got at DOT, it's going to have a planter, it's going to have a sprayer, it's going to have a grain box. Which the grain box I see it being not even as big of a role. Probably the spraying and the seeding are where it's probably got its biggest application. Is there another one that we're not thinking well, of? Well, no, I think there's going to be lots of them. I had a, we had some farmers looking at the unit, and I, I asked uh, Farmer Dave, I said, what's going through your brain? He said, well, I think I could design this thing so it cuts hay. I think it could bale hay. I think it pick up the bales. He said, I, it, it, none of that's invented, but it was in his brain. We're sitting here in Arizona right now, and I, I down by Maricopa, where we're going to be testing a couple of units at the University of Arizona this winter, uh, winter of 19 here, um, and you see the land levelers uh, that go along there. And these guys are driving. This is the most boring job in the world, but they're leveling land. Well, DOT could be programmed to level land, and it would do it all day, all night. Yeah, what yeah. do they do that for? What's the crop that they're Well, set, flood set irrigation, right? So they have to have the land real level. Yeah. And so, again, a really, really laborious and dull and dirty task, uh, perfect for, for autonomous uh, robotic platform. Uh, with every new technology, there's a adoption curve. Mm. You know, there's the old yep. thing they teach you in sales 301 or whatever it was I took at Purdue University. I learned about selling about the adoption curve. Are you an early adopter? Are you a late adopter? Are you a, I, there's a few other terms I don't even frankly remember, but I know that I'm somewhere in about the middle. I don't resist technology, but I'm not going to be the first one to run out and grab it because I look at technology as it should make me money or save me time or make my life better. And if it frustrates the bejesus out of me until it can do that, I'm going to be willing to wait for another year. Who do you see getting in on it? Because the concern I would have is an old person that's an established operator has the money to invest in this new technology, but do they have the adoption curve? Well, I would, I would suggest that, you know, that curve you're talking about starts out with the innovator, which obviously is Norbert Bougeau. Norbert Bougeau is the founder of DOT. He was the founder of Seedmaster Seeding Corporation. And, um, and so he's obviously the innovator. Um, the, the next one is the early adopter. And that's what we're going to see in 2019 is we're working with uh, anywhere between 12 and 15 early adopter farmers. And then you're going to move to early majority um, and then the majority, late majority. But the, uh, the, the guys that have looked at it so far, Damien, I talked to a couple of farmers that have, have scoped this thing out, and they said, uh, you know, we'll buy, we'll buy one, and we'll play with it. And if it works, we'll buy five. And if that works, we'll buy 10. And, and what I mean by that is we're, we're talking some farmers here that are 20,000, 30,000 acre guys. Um, 
but that's the kind of scale they could move to. And, um, and then they could use the same powertrain to do multiple tasks on the farm. And um, Incidentally, it has to drop. Some, some of the people who are yeah. listening to this that uh, might be uh, small dairymen in Pennsylvania just dropped their Coke. Uh, and they just, they just, their coffee cup fell out of their hand when you said these people are 20 and 30,000 acre operators. Remember again, Rob's company and he and him are from the plains, the prairie provinces of Western Canada. And I have been there. In fact, I'll be there next month working. There are huge, huge, large, uh, operations in the Western provinces. That doesn't mean that that's the only fit for this. If it works there, it can work anywhere. It's just a matter of that's where you happen to be because it's a Saskatchewan-based yeah, company. I think that we're, you know, the testing we're going to do in Arizona here is on relatively small paddocks. But if you think about the opportunity for this technology, um, you, you know, I've, I've been to Australia, I've been to Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Russia, um, any Brazil, Argentina, any of those broad acre areas are going to be looking at this thing for the same reason. Like it's the same constraints everywhere around the world. All right, real quickly, back to the curve. Innovator's the first one, early adopter, early majority, uh, majority, late majority, late adopter. What's the last one? Laggards. Oh, I thought you were going to say dead, extinct, <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you think about uh, the... the smart, been a while the, since I saw the, that curve. The, smart, the smartphone, right? The, smart, the, the uh, iPhone is celebrating its 11th anniversary, I think, this year. Uh, you know, think back. Uh, think think about being without your smartphone. Think about running a farming operation today. Which like one's celebrating its 11th year? Uh, iPhone. Okay. Yeah. And I would say, to put it right there, I w- I've had one for probably six. You know, I wasn't the first year. I wasn't the second year. But I, I, I had a smartphone. It just wasn't an iPhone. And well, I became... I a, go back to the Palm Pilot. Yeah, and well, HP and Blackberries. Yeah. And uh, I've had them all. Because when you make your living traveling around North America, which I probably, in case you forgot, it's time for our next commercial break. Again, if you've got a 2019 meeting. Hey, call my wife. It's 888-304-0702 or DamianMason.com. We need to put bread on the table. I mean, how can Rob Sayek and I have a winter home in Arizona if I don't make a living? Anyway, back to autonomous (laughs) tractors. Back to autonomous tractors. You've got the adoption issue, I think. You are going to always have that with any new technology. But one thing that you and I... uh, discussed. I see this having some uh, greater practicality. Again, that skid steer versus an autonomous tractor. I think an autonomous tractor pulls a grain cart. Uh, it does tillage, but there's, are you going to send it out with a planter hook to it? Maybe not. And that's where this program that you guys have, this dot platform works better. So about other technology. What do you see coming? What else do you see coming? It's not nothing to do with autonomous machinery. Well, I, I think that the, the real big uh, the real big opportunity in the next while is sensor technology. And what I mean by that is there are all sorts of uh, sensory devices. We think sensor devices like a weather station, but I'm thinking soil moisture probes. And there are all kinds of people, Damien, chasing um, soar, uh, analytical devices planted in soil. So you could plant in a probe that would actually give you a phosphate reading throughout the whole season. Um, one of the things that I, I think this can accelerate the adoption of uh, sensor technology is uh, long-distance long uh, uh, communication. So there's a company right now out of Calgary actually uh, working with an irrigation district in Arkansas. And what they're doing is they're testing out uh, soil moisture uh, probe. But he's using a very three AA batteries on a, on a device called a RIC, an RIC, and it's casting, it's casting the data 10 to 13 miles. 
Um, so when you think about uh, farms and farms that are in remote areas, you get your you get your gateway to the last place where you can get a, uh, um, a cellular or internet connection, and then you cast it using low latency technology to connect to the sensors out there. One gateway can connect to 10,000 sensors through these RIC devices. I think that's going to be a game changer. Isn't it remarkable? You're not just thinking that we got soil samples pulled uh, and we were looking at them and I, I told my operator I needed to see some uh, on a new little chunk of ground I bought. Um, and what, what we have, you know, to go out and gather soil samples, we still going out and walking it. And there's still nothing still with boots on the ground to go out and actually see your fields, check your, you know, eyeball your crop. But... When you can use technology to make you more efficient, as you said, shrink the time uh, to, to, what are we doing? We're shrinking the time. Shrink time and space. We're shrinking time and space to be more efficient. Uh, what's the downside? Autonomous equipment. Besides, it's a new technology that might have some kinks to work out, and there's going to be the cost uh, issue. Is there any other downside? Yeah, I think the downside that you have to acknowledge, and a lot of people will do this, and they'll, they'll bring up the sociological aspect of it. I mean, there's um, there's pushback when... When you think about autonomous uh, autonomous trucks or autonomous cars or autonomous farm equipment, uh, there is the displacement of, of people, labor. of yeah. labor. Remember, I worked in a, in a ceiling tile factory, yeah. and I remember uh, these poor, unskilled, uneducated uh, guys that I worked with. Uh, and, and they were they were not you know they they deserve dignity. They showed up at work every night. They worked the night shift in a dirty old uh, ceiling tile factory. But the one thing that I know is they were terrified that another uh, engineering uh, project would come in and just replace four yeah. more of their jobs i i you know it's it's a valid concern when you get into rural america rural canada uh, the small towns really struggle and so if you lose a few more people out of the small town it makes it that much harder however this trend is coming anyways and 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 farmers are going to be looking at ways to become more efficient and, and it's it's relentless this technology is going to show up so the question that i would put to your listeners is are you gonna have a look at it and start to pay attention because your next fleet of equipment may not be the traditional fleet of equipment that you're thinking about it may be a new direction and yes it still might be a year or two in in the proof point but it's happening today. It's happening in the spring of 2019. Yeah, the replacement of labor is going to be the issue. But you know that's an old story. Let's face it. Uh, there's a there's an old uh, there's an old uh, nursery rhyme fairy tale story, whatever you call it. Uh, was it John Henry that took on the the steam engine to see who could plow through the, the yep. mountain the fastest? So this has been going on for a long time. And as a resident and landowner in a small agricultural community, I see it also. It'd be nice if Bippus, Indiana, uh, still had the thriving cooperative and uh, the farm store that sold white machinery. Imagine that. Well, neither of those things were there anymore. And it's not because there was a conspiracy. It's because time marches on. There's a, a lot less people farming the same amount of acres. Uh, and actually, they're producing three times as much or two times as much as they were just 35, 40 years ago when I was a kid. So there is a technological uh, benefit, and there's also, with each one of those things, comes a new adjustment. I'm going to close things up by mm -hmm. pointing that very point out, that uh, while we can long for the old days, I pointed out in my article that the very first tractor I operated was a Ford 3000. I was seven or eight years old. They put me on this 1960s model Ford 3000. We pulled a New Holland small baler in a flatbed wagon with one of my brothers stacking bales of hay and straw on the back of it on 90-degree days. With I no, remember those With days. no sunscreen and no ear protection, I might point out, which yeah. is why my hearing and your hearing is 
not as good as it once was. What? Yes, exactly. Uh, the muffler sat right immediately underneath the operator's right foot. I remember literally my shoes melting. This is no kidding. And it was an inefficient, loud, clunky piece of, what, 60 horsepower equipment. And you're saying, Dave, what's your point? We all have memories about these old tractors. The Oliver 1850 that I drove when I was a, you know, 13-year-old kid. Antique tractors belong in museums. They belong in barns at the state fair. They belong in those parades where people can drag a hay bale, a wagon with a few hay bales on it, and a, and a homecoming queen or a, or a fair queen on it. But you know what? Time marches on, and this is an industry. This is the business of agriculture, hence the name of the podcast. And businesses innovate, and somehow they do that with technology, and that's exactly what we're doing here. So that's what you think we're talking about when it comes to autonomous farm machinery. Right. Well, I want to wrap it up, Damien. Thank you for having me on here. Again, um, if you want to have a look at this, uh, go to the w internet and just type in C, S-C-E-D-O-T, run, C dot run. You'll see the videos there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at R-S-A-I-K, R-S-A-I-K, R-S-A-I-K. And um, if you wanted to read about the first book I wrote, it was called The Agriculture Manifesto, uh, 10 Key Drivers That Will Shape Ag in the Next Decade, and it's available on Amazon. So thanks for having me on board, Amy. It's fantastic. Until next time, you're listening to The Business of Agriculture. I know this is a good one. Thanks for joining us.